Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And Tony Khan returns to Talk is Jericho to talk AEW. He hasn't been on the show since February of 2019, right after the official launch of AEW and the big press conference we had in Vegas to announce the company. we got a lot to talk about. And believe me, we cover everything. We talk about the momentum AEW uh, had built until the pandemic temporarily shut us down and how we were able to film six weeks of TV in a 24-hour period to keep us on the air through that initial lockdown back in April. We hit on the Matt Hardy and Brody Lee AEW debuts and how the pandemic completely changed the way that both happened. TK talks about signing Eddie Kingston, Ricky Starks, Will Hobbs, and even Sting during the pandemic and how AEW Dark has managed to keep so many indie wrestlers working during the last year. You're going to hear a lot about the AEW creative process and how it works between Tony and me, the EVPs, and all the wrestlers on the roster. And Tony explains why it was so important for him to be the agent on Darby Allen's dark match with Will Hobbs a few months ago. Tony also shares some of his favorite storylines and pay-per-view moments over the last year and what he's hoping for 2021. So we've got Tony Khan coming up. But before we kick it off, I got one friendly reminder for you. There's a new Winnipeggers episode dropping tomorrow night, Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern on my Facebook and YouTube channels. It's another must-see. We take personality tests. And that's all I'm going to say about that. So check it out. The Winnipeggers take personality tests and find out the results tomorrow, Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern on my Facebook page and YouTube channel. All right, let's go. It's Tony Khan returning to Talk is Jericho. All right. So it's been a while since uh, Tony Khan was here on Talk is Jericho. Right when we basically had our first press conference, maybe announcing AEW back in February of 2019 seems like it was 20 years ago but um what a what an amazing year and a half two years it's been since then yeah it's been the best man it's been we've had an incredible journey and uh the things we've been through none of us ever anticipated but we got through it together and literally together and i'm really proud of what we put together as a team and it's been a great couple years now, just to kind of go right into it, it's, it's interesting because we've been talking for a while about different ideas and stuff. And we, last year, had this amazing angle and story that was teed up to go to Rochester on the 18th. We spoke about this was going to be the day, the double debut, the swerve with Brody Lee and then Matt Hardy, and then kind of culminate at Blood and Guts in Newark on, on March 25th. And here we are, March 11th in Salt Lake City. And I remember when I went to the ring, those shows were still on. When I came back from the ring, both shows had been canceled. The NBA had stopped, and Tom Hanks had COVID. It was crazy. (laughs) Crazy night. And uh, it was a terrible night for the country. I mean, it was a national emergency, and it's still a national emergency, you know, a year later. But we've gotten through it together, and as a company, we're stronger than we were. And it's a testament to everybody who works here, and especially the great wrestlers and the strong leadership we have backstage, including you. But I think once again, too, we've never, we are a company that's had to deal with something that no one else ever had to as a company. And obviously WWE did, New Japan did, but we were a brand new company. And I think over the past year, almost, we've actually grown. I think we've lost maybe a, a fraction of where we were, but I think we've gained so much more in goodwill in, 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 um, people believing fans believing in us showing our resolve and our storytelling skills i mean it was weird to think about we didn't know what we were going to do when that first happened there's definitely been a lot of 
positives and a ton of negatives of this pandemic and live attendance has been a huge negative in terms of the wrestling there's so many huge negatives in terms of the life impact that you don't even want to think about the wrestling impact when it comes to the pandemic but just to talk about the business that it definitely affected live events but from a tv standpoint we're actually stronger than when we left off we're the only wrestling show on television that can say that and it's a testament to what we've done our creativity and what we've done in terms of presenting the show as exciting as what it was before the pandemic you'll never be able to replace the thousands and thousands of people we had every single week when we were live every week in a different arena in a different city every week for the months we were doing the show before the pandemic happened but after the pandemic happened really we've banded together worked hard and put together some of our best shows ever which is pretty cool yeah yeah because I, I think our quality of our, of our stuff has been just amazing throughout and a lot of that listen is the leadership of of tony of you I guess one one of the integral things I want to talk about is is going into Daly's place, which is is a, a venue that we've had a, we had a couple shows at over the year and a half prior, and then suddenly when everything is locked down, it's an outdoor venue that you have access to because it's right connected to the stadium where the Jacksonville Jaguars play. Is that was that your first idea when when you knew that we couldn't travel anymore? Oh, absolutely. Quick. I had when I knew that the pandemic was a possibility. I had dailies reserved uh, as a backup for us if it was possible for us to safely run shows. And every show we ran through the pandemic followed state guidelines completely, and, completely. And we were very closely managed. So, and including when we did one taping in Georgia and got it done before there was any kind of state shutdown. And before we knew, you know, we had this essential worker status in Florida that when we went back in May with all of our testing protocol in place and we're the first company in wrestling testing people before tapings and put that great plan and established our taping schedule that's been really strong and kept people healthy, I think, and really believe that we've taken care of our people through the pandemic. We have grown as a company and we've added people through the pandemic instead of subtracting. We've added to the headcount, yeah. which is really important. We've added important people without uh, subtracting a, a lot of people. And when you look, we've grown as a company, we've grown as a TV product, our ratings are up, and I can't wait till the fans are back because I think our attendance when it's safe to do shows will be even stronger than it was in the year mm -hmm. when we were the number one wrestling company in the world in 2019 in live event attendance per show. And we ran a lot less events than WWE did or a lot of companies did in 2019. But on a per show basis, we were number one in the world in attendance, which is pretty awesome. And in 2020, I think we had a great chance to replicate it because we were off to such a great hot yeah. start thanks to so many people and where we were with our great wrestlers and our great stories. And, of course, the headline story right before we got shut down was Chris Jericho versus John Moxley, which was amazing. And Revolution, I think, is the best show we've done and one of the greatest wrestling pay-per-views I personally have ever seen. And I'm really proud of the work we did on it. And I think it's a testament to what you guys had done that we were so hot, hot, hotter than we've ever been right when the pandemic hit. Well, and like you said, even to the, to the case of our first show in the New York market, I think we were on track to do 15,000 tickets, but, um, which is great. But, but what I want to talk about that people might not know is just how, how involved you are in the booking process. And here was where it really stood out for me was I had a, a pre-tape, a vignette that I filmed here at my house, right at my house right now, where I said, release the hounds. And it was Matt Hardy in the Vanguard and all that sort of stuff. And I was supposed to be not at the live show this week. Cause I filmed this vignette. 
during the day I started hearing Florida's going to shut down. Like you said, things are shutting down. And I remember I called you at 10.05 right when the live show was done. I go, what are we going to do? Like we're going to- April 1st. April 1st. And you said, I just wrote six weeks of TV. We're going to Atlanta tomorrow to film this before Atlanta shuts down. We were in Atlanta. We were in Atlanta. We, okay, we, we, we had just shot April 1st oh, live. Right, April we were live and I had just done the show live and we, we had put your video in. And it was only the second time you'd ever not physically been mm-hmm. at Dynamite because the first two pandemic shows we did in Daly's Place, you were there. Right. When the second show it was very bare bones, we can tell the story of that later. But that was the cra- that was certainly the most limited we've ever been from a personnel standpoint. We were the most creative, I think, we ever were to get the show off, and actually did a pretty good rating on March 25th. But uh, that's neither here nor there. On April 1st, we finished the show. The main event was a little preview of one side of the TNT Championship bracket with Cody and Darby in a tag match against. Uh, Spears and Sammy and then uh, Spears and Sammy were up and right after that we were going to start taping content we was knew the tape in the next day straight through and uh, you know with the state having shut down right before we went on air for Dynamite I, we were all there and it was like with this crew we're going to tape the next Dynamite for next week and also many other weeks of Dynamite and I, I planned for it to be six weeks I didn't know for sure whether it would be six though I thought it could be as little as four, which is what it actually turned out to be, but it could have been six, and if we had to stretch and use more pre-tapes that people made from home, depending on what the regulations would have been, it was very uncertain, it could have been eight, nine weeks, but instead it was four, and we were able to use everything on dark, and we were able to provide great darks for people, which is another thing we can talk about, which is really fun, and uh, you know, we've really invested in people and talent and tried to keep independent wrestling alive through dark and get people on on the shows, and I think it's been awesome. And, you know, that show, I talked to you April 1st. We got done with the show, and you and I were on the phone, and I told you, yeah, I've written six weeks, and it's true. I'd put together the formats and the commentary I had slotted because of the crew was very limited, and I had Colt Cabana and Sean Spears were both in the TNT Championship Tournament, and I had them both slotted in where – they were going to be pretty involved in the taping wrestling, but because we were so light on people and the only announcer there was Tony Schiavone besides Dasha, who was going to be the ring announcer. So I had uh, no options for somebody to be the color commentator with Schiavone. So I was going to have Colt and Spears like juggle it, which was logistically logistically going to be pretty crazy because I was going to have to flip which shows they were on, which was already a lot of continuity issues like that i'd worked out in the little matrix i'd made which is now a pretty legendary little photo because like cody asked me to the original cody has it i i signed it uh he asked me to sign it and i was like all right and so i just have photo of it but um you came in and did the commentary which added so much to the show and i really appreciated it that you came up to atlanta and did that and i think shivani has said it on podcast and i've said it to you privately but i to say it to you on your show it raised the level of everybody's professionalism and I think excitement to get through what was a long day that we got through and as a miracle. No injuries other than Britt right. breaking her nose, which right. ended up, you know, I think it became a great moment. It's one of the best matches we've had, and I thought it was awesome, and it was one of the best moments, and it's immortal, and Britt's very not angry about how it turned out. She's not unhappy. She got the number one selling T-shirt out of it, too. That's cool. <laughs> but that's the thing. And, and just to show kind of that it was all fate is that I was supposed to that next week do commentary. I remember we were trying to figure out booking plans and stuff. And I said, well, why don't I just do commentary the next week as a placeholder? So I was supposed to do it anyways, but then I just came in and did it for the you know the 26 matches in, in one day. But uh, what percentage of the roster was there? 29%. 
29%. Including you as a wrestler, because you just commentated the entire right. time. 31% including you, but we had you know, no commentators, so you were slotted as a commentator. Unbelievable. So 29% of the wrestlers there. And we kept uh, four great shows that we got in there Yeah, and did good ratings. I remember that's They when- went up as we went along, and that was where it was cool. The story's built. Not only that, but we did something that pays off to this day because that was how the TNT Championship TNT was Championship. Created. We had nobody there, so I made up the story of the TNT Championship. It was something I'd been thinking of doing anyway, and it was very convenient. We were only missing, I believe, one person from who would have been really in the plans for this thing, and I had most of the bones of what I would have wanted. So it turned out pretty cool because I it basically – where it ended up with the final four being Archer and Dustin and Cody and Darby. That's what I wanted anyway. And so they were all in the area. They were all yeah. there. They were all available in there around close enough where they could make it in safely with based on what were very strict guidelines for all the right reasons. Oh, yeah. Very strict guidelines. But like you said, some guys weren't able to come in. Some guys didn't want to come in, which was fine. Everyone, they had the best of intentions. Everybody had the best yeah. of intentions. We just tried to put the shows together creatively and make it great for everybody through the pandemic. And there, were, there was nothing new on television. And we had a completely volunteer crew of all of us who wanted to keep the show going for the fans. Keep but, the lights on. And keep, do, you know, fulfill our network commitments safely and follow all the guidelines as they were. And then did all the right things, shut the company down for over a month, for almost, you know, six weeks total from when we did the live show, I guess, uh, you know, and five full weeks of, that we we had done there in Atlanta. In Atlanta, and right. came back May 6th with one of the shows I'm actually proudest of because of all the things we established, which we could also talk about because you was, you earlier talked about how that we made the change from Salt Lake City and then we were supposed to go to Rochester and how uh, that was unfortunately supposed to be the debut of Mr. Brody Lee as the exalted one in his hometown, which would have been so special of a moment and I think we all f- miss him and we can do many podcasts as we have and could do many more on how special he uh, is and was to so many people in wrestling but that was supposed to be his debut in his hometown it was also the debut of Matt Hardy weren't able to do those things there but they also happened to both live close enough to Jacksonville where they could drive in and do the, sh- the show right. and we were still did their debut and did a big number that was May 6th no, uh, that was March uh, oh, yeah, yeah. 18th. March 18th. Well, what did we do on May 6th? May 6th, we came back. That was the first time we were live after this Atlanta taping, after the tapes kind of ran out. We came back live, and it was the first time we implemented that testing plan where all of us went into the little bubble. We all took the test, and then nobody left, and we just did the shows and all stayed together, but distanced and like, you know, kind of like what the NBA was trying to do and build like a little bubble. Where did you get the ideas for that? Uh, I just wanted to do a show safely, and I uh, we were actually doing it at the same time as UFC. And if you remember, they were, were there. Were you taking hints from them sort of thing? No, or? we basically did the same thing at the same time. I think gotcha. it was kind of con- – some of it's common sense, right? Like right, it just right, trying right. to work out a safe thing to do. And it was funny because Jacksonville had – this was – everything was by the, the regulations, and UFC also ended up in Jacksonville, and we ended up in the same place. That's right. <laughs> uh, and separate floors and everything in different parts of the hotel because it's a really big area and it's convention space, and it's like the biggest convention hotel in the area. So um, we had plenty of room and everyone spaced out, distanced, and we did the show safely. But the thing that I'm really proud of also, in addition to the safety, which is first and foremost – you know, also really proud from a, a continuity and a writing standpoint. I worked really hard through this thing because I was doing everything out of a room in Jacksonville for months. Like I was editing the shows and like uh, 
talking to everybody separately, like, you know, because you couldn't get together face to face. So I just had the tapes of what we shot and I'm putting stories together, dropping videos in, you know, I kept MJ. flim flam. You did a flim flam. <laughs> I kept MJF in the show. Yep. I had Wardlow enhancements on tape. So it's like, all right, well, I'll drop the MJF video in, and then send Wardlow out to wrestle. So there's like a connection there. There's mm-hmm. a lot of little things like that. I think there's a story Marco Stunt told on Unrestricted, which is true. They had a good match with Brody and he'd already had the good match on live TV on the first with Archer. So on the taping on the second, I asked him to do basically his grandmother had passed mm-hmm. and he was been with us the whole time. And like, so we spent a couple of days with him and he was, he'd come down. He wanted to do this. It was really important to him. He wanted to have this match with Archer. It was a great match he had and it was cool. And it was a great way to get Archer kickstarted and, uh, you know, look like a real monster and it's people really talked about it. So it worked. And then I didn't just want to do the same thing with him and Brody right away. If I didn't have to, we just did, you know, we're at a skeleton crew. And he got dressed and he came by and Gorilla, if you remember, I was a one man go because <laughs> there was nobody. There were no there were no coaches because they were all wrestling. Uh, you know. <laughs> so there was nobody to be like an agent and help me do it. So I was like time I was not only was I timing like I always do, but I was like and giving an you know, giving cues to the announcers, you and Tony, and God bless you guys and all the stuff you did that day and in post production. But um you guys got through the show and Tony who's been through thousands of matches and tapings literally and some of the longest tapings ever you too but but him over you know many years as sure. an announcer said never seen a taping go smoother and it was just a testament to everyone it really did yeah so let's talk about why it was so important to do new content every week when the shutdown first happened important to aw and to tnt but before we get into that valentine's day right around the corner and if you're looking for something extra special for your extra special valentine Steven Singer's got the hookup, and Steven's actually going to be here on Friday hooking up one of the Winnipeggers with his brand new deep navy blue sparkling 24-karat gold dip twinkle twinkle rose. We're going to have a little uh, Valentine's quiz. Whoever wins gets one of those twinkle twinkle roses. It's perfect for your Valentine as well. But time is running out because the new color sells out every single year, and this one is so stunning and sparkly, it's going fast. I mean, just imagine on valentine's day when she opens up the super cool gift box and out slides this beautiful blue rose trimmed in gold and it's not just any blue this blue is the color of the sky just before the sun sets when the stars are just coming out and sparkling that's the breathtaking sparkly blue color i'm talking about so go now to see this real rose deeply dipped in pure 24 karat gold with petals in this unique dazzling blue that mimics the stars in the night sky it's exclusively available at Steven Singer Jewelers. Real jewelers, real roses, really dipped in pure 24 karat gold with a real lifetime guarantee. It's always the number one Valentine's gift and it lasts forever. It also comes with your free personal love note and it ships fast and free to the real love of your life. It also ships fast and free to mom, grandma, your aunt, your daughter, uh, your next door neighbor, whoever you want to say I love you to and I'm so lucky to have you in my life. Send them the Twinkle Twinkle Rose from Steven Singer. Steven's famous roses start at only $59, and you can see the whole collection and place your order at IHateStevenSinger.com. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Let me ask you this. How important was it, because I don't think a lot of people understand, to do new content every week because a lot of people were like well just do best ofs or just show reruns it was so huge and i didn't you know the shows in april took a bit of a ratings dip because from a presentation standpoint it wasn't ideal but we 
taped these shows. Yeah, something, yeah. And uh, built fresh content. And that TNT tournament was something strong that's paid off and developed a, something that is really important to us every show we do and is one of the most important titles now, I believe, not just here, but in wrestling. The TNT title really means something. It and does. In a yeah, short it time, sure does. we've established Absolutely. it. And all the champions have been really important people in wrestling with Cody and Brody and Darby. And, uh, you know, it's been held by important people. It's been defended in big matches. We've had, just had this huge match with Cajun Darby that was a huge success with uh, Ricky trying to get involved and staying and all this stuff. And all that stuff goes back to May 6th that I just talked about with Darby and Cage is a great example. May 6th, I had had time to think about the double or nothing card. And we came back. I felt really strong that we could, you know, do the show. I wanted to do a wrestling show at that time. We, we weren't able to actually doing a show with fans but i felt like i as we've never talked about on this show because i haven't been on in a couple of years but i've talked about on other shows uh that i had the inspiration from watching the tonight show when we were coming back at the beginning of the pandemic i wanted to put the fans that weren't there i wanted to put wrestlers out there to replace them as the audience because when i watched the tonight show it stood out above all the other talk shows because he had the skeleton crews the small staff that was there, the limited people that were there that were essential personnel to help the shows go on, they were like there and laughing in the studio, which was a lot different. Made than, a difference. They, the yeah. jokes, like similar to comedy, similar to wrestling, it's better when there's like people like you hear people laughing at it. Like it's a little flatter sometimes when you try to deliver it that way, especially in that kind of presentation on television, right? And so I think just like him having his staff out there, I thought putting the wrestlers out there would make sense. And then I decided... We need to split up the baby faces and heels. And I'm constantly texting with so many people about ideas and things we can do at this point and came up with a lot of stuff. The parking lot fight ended up being a thing that was tabled because the Lucha Brothers originally were slotted for it because if you remember, Santana Ortiz were in what was going to be Blood and Guts, mm -hmm. which then turned into the Stadium Stampede, which again goes back to May 6th. So May 6th, so much took place on this show. And this is just off the top of my head. At the end of the show, we established the aforementioned stadium stampede the street fight we had with you and sammy against kenny that's and matt a hardy classic that was a great that's match. a great yeah. television that a great, match, great yeah. live television yeah. match in the circumstances it was really cool yeah and like uh we just the staff and you know the people that were there and like watching it and still it holds up as like a classic man mm -hmm. and uh and the finish was cool too and the the inner circle name up in lights and the stadium return of Santana Ortiz who were stuck in New York. They were able to come back then and Jake and, and Jake too. And yeah. yeah. And get those guys back in it. And then of course, uh, for Kenny and Matt, the beat down set up for the return of the young bucks and hangman. Right. And, and, and build to it for the stadium stampede match. There was that, but there was so much on that show. There was, we set up the MJF and Jungle Boy match, which was just pretty simple thing, just to not, but it set up a match that to me we needed for the pay per view that was important to have this, it was going to be a classic, and it's really mm -hmm. be important for both guys because it's set the tone for both guys. These, these guys, they're not just guys of the future, they're the guys now. And right. That was a big match. Set up Team Taz and the whole idea of Darby versus Taz. Darby had lost in the semifinals of the tournament we had shot in Atlanta to Cody and then on the show prior so that we had just aired. So it's like he's, you know, Darby's backstage get for uh, an interview with Taz and the interviewer, Taz, the broadcaster, uh, tries to recruit Darby as a protege 
to set up what's basically Team Taz. And Darby doesn't not saying that I'm starting Team Taz, but basically saying, you know, I could offer you some advice. We have no idea what Taz has up his sleeve at this point, May 6th. Mm-hmm. And Darby has no interest in it. Well, then there's this casino ladder match. It's a casino ladder match. Normally, we did the casino battle royale there, but we I ended up in, during the pandemic also coming up with a gimmick match that nobody I think had ever done, which yeah. is a casino ladder match, which I put all these guys in. Did a thing with Orange Cassidy and Phoenix, which went back to the angle that we had done with the Death Triangle and the Best Friends and Orange Cassidy, um, which originally was going to pay off in the parking lot fight. It was Orange Cassidy was going to pop out of the trunk on the Lucha Brothers. <laughs> and uh, uh, that was... a. Uh, but that's not, again, neither here nor there. Um, so, uh, you know, set up that casino ladder match and Darby and the finish of Brian Cage being the final guy it was the mystery guy. And that Taz finally recruited a client that would go after Darby. Later in the pandemic, Ricky Starks came into the picture and I thought he was the perfect guy. Well, let's talk about this. A, a, a quick little segue. You don't have to reply to this. But when we were trying to think of ideas for before you had the rogues gallery, I remember texting you and I was like, dude. We gotta have a guy. His name is like Johnny Audience, and he's a DJ that plays audience sounds. You remember that? Like he plays like a laugh track. <laughs> we need sound. We need sound. Yeah. But you're talking about Team Taz, and this is something that you're also very good at that I think people don't realize. You're really good at putting together teams, factions, whatever it may be. But like Team Taz, and we could talk more about Team Taz. But also Pillman and Griff, Varsity Blondes, great kind of underneath tag team movement chaos project the 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 house band of dark as lenny calls it they they look great together um uh the the acclaimed with with max castor and anthony bowen uh kenny and 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 hangman um these are all your ideas and it reminds me well they're not i mean not everything they do is my idea like every person out there has their stuff but like every one of them the first yeah those even kenny and hangman which is a totally different story that goes back to 2019 just a random thing that ended up clicking really well uh, that I thought would be cool that everyone was, you know, really on board with. It came out great. But that was uh, on one of the first shows we ever did in our first month when I put Kenny, Kenny and Hangman in our team. But I thought it'd be cool to do Kenny and Hangman versus Mox and Pack. Mm. And then later I thought, you know, we could get, go back to it and Kenny and Hangman could have a great run as the champions. And uh, they came up with so much great stuff along the way. It's a great story. But it's a cool, you know, I believe those guys made it. Those if wouldn't Kenny and Hangman weren't well, of course, all, all the teams that are doing it that are. But, but you're the one who has the vision to, you know, like for example, like Serpentico and Luther. It's 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 almost like well, of course, but you see these two characters, or you see Griff and Pillman, and what is it where you go? I mean, now it seems like a no brainer, but at the time, no one was thinking of putting these guys together as a yeah, team. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I thought they would be cool. I thought that'd be a cool team. The I didn't have the name the Varsity Blondes yet. Or the Chaos Project, but I thought Luther and Serpentico would be cool. They both had that thing going, mm-hmm. and I'm, and as a tag team, I thought they'd be a strong team. Uh, team Taz, like uh, Ricky, was in the ring with Cody, and I we needed a guy to do Mox and Darby versus Cage and a guy. And I was watching Cody versus Ricky, and I was like interested in because Cody had a list of guys he thought would be cool. And these are just independent guys that he's bringing in to work had, for the TNT title. He had a list title. of guys he yeah. wanted to work for the TNT title, and some of the people I did not like at all. And it was like, who would you want to use? If I, is there anybody on this list that we could use? And the two people that really stood out to me were Eddie Kingston and Ricky Starks. And you and hired them we both. We used yeah. them both, and they both got hired. Eddie, I didn't have an idea for in the ring. I just knew we wanted to use him. And then I realized with Pac being unavailable due to the pandemic, it would be perfect to tie the eight-man team we had together because we did FTR and the Young Bucks versus 
the uh, Butcher and the Blade and the Lucha Brothers, and it was like, we should do something with them, but Pac's not here. And I was like, oh, God, that's the thing. Put Eddie there and then put the Death Triangle back together, do the six-man, do Eddie versus Pac, do all that stuff. Then did Eddie versus Lance, which is a story going on to this day, which we started in the Battle Royale, which also had a lot of ideas. May 6th, I didn't even get through all the stuff we started in that one show, by the way. Show, Mox yeah. versus Brody Lee. Right. One of the best pay-per-view matches we've ever had. Well, it holds up so well, and I'm so glad Brody got to have that great world title match on one of the biggest Agreed. shows. It is the biggest show we've ever done to this day. As far as buy rates? Yeah. Yeah. That show is the biggest but show. But once again, Stadium Stampede, that's another, I mean. Like I said, yeah. You, you, we, well, we kind of, that was your initial idea. Let's do something in the stadium. We have this stadium at our back. But all call. the guys, you go and all the guys, we, we, really, we all sat together. And sure you guys came up with so many, all the great well, ideas. And you guys did all this stuff. It was amazing. We were forced to be creative in spite of the pandemic. And we really, I, I, once again, the Stadium Stampede is still one of my favorite matches I've ever had. I don't care what anybody says. It was everything what wrestling is to me, and we did it all in twelve hours. That's that's like that's like a, a a major Hollywood production. It was so fun that we filmed in like eight hours. But my point is, like, we really came together to put on these great shows and try something different. I mean, you did one of my favorite things uh, I ever came up with, which was challenge. The cha- yeah, the, through the red flag, I went and got that was a real NFL challenge flag you used. I got it from the locker room. And I gave it to you, and you didn't. I don't. You didn't even know about chat. Had no idea. It was so fun, and what you actually did is unbelievable. I mean, you—that's <laughs> how prepared and, and you know articulate you are. You made it so amazing, and you all the guys came up with so much cool stuff. I mean, all ten guys in the match did stuff, and we all sat together. And Keith and the guys were amazing, and the crew all night, and that we came up with that. And and on that pay per view, I mean, yeah, Mox and Brody had a classic, and Great we match. started that on the sixth. Uh, and we set up uh, Sheeta versus Nyla, which was very important. And we set up so we set up other stories on that show too. And uh, it was just really, really cool. Basically, we hit the ground running once we came back live. Then, yeah. Then May from then on, we did our you know biggest pay per view ever coming out of that, and then hit another huge home run later in the summer with All Out. And again, full gear was up from last year. So just through the pandemic, the TV's stronger, the pay per views are up. The only thing we're missing is the live events, going back to what you asked before that. And so I'm really proud of it. And as far as the teams and putting the teams together, then to, to go back to your other thing and just answer them all completely out of order. <laughs> we're all over the place. Yeah, but we're getting we're getting it all in, though. Yeah. Uh, which is sometimes, you know, sometimes you, you forget uh, this, the order, but you just got to still get all the stuff <laughs> in. That's like Lil Brody. He came to me for Dark, and he had all the points and it was so perfect. Like, all the stuff he went out and said to Marco. Little, little Brody? Yeah, Little yeah. Brody. He came to me with ideas, and he was like, I want to do this on Dark. And I was like, well, let me hear it. And he said the promo he did on Marco, like, off the top of his head. He's like, I want to do this. And I was like, that's so good. And if you go back and watch what he said to Marco, the only thing, and it's so perfect, is because that shows how off the top of his head and the command he has, which is amazing, not just for his age, but for frankly for anybody, is the way he said it to me if you think of the points he said to Marco, like, you know, you're short and like when I'm older than you, I'd be better than you. And oh, I can't even do it 1% as good as him because that's how good a promo little Brody is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and he's and how good an announcer is. He's just so tremendous already. And he came in. The points he had him, that the way he made him to me, say it was like A, B, C, D, E. Right. The way he did him out there was like D, E, B. B-A-C. And, like, that's how good his command was because it was, like, it didn't matter. It wasn't one of those things where you actually needed to hit him in, like, A, B, C, D. He, like, uh, just happened to, like, you know, 
he had it completely in his head, and he was that not rehearsed. That's how prepared he was, and I thought it was tremendous. It was all off the top of his head, and it was so well organized. But uh, for as far as like end up putting people together and ideas for teams and stuff, there's tons of great teams here, and like most of the tag division is just great teams, and the Matt and Nick do such a great job as far as not only being great champions and great wrestlers, but they have such a great eye for it. Like they absolutely top flight yeah. and private oh, yeah. party. Both yeah. they brought those both their ideas and there's other great teams. They've had great ideas on. They did such great work with the Lucha brothers that got us off the ground and they're still doing great stuff. But um, going back to what you said on the teams, the acclaimed was one where I had to name the acclaimed for a long time and Max and Anthony were on dark and I wanted them both. And I, you know, they were both guys that got hot, hot prospects. It was also on one of the original names for the inner circle. We thought about Chris Jericho and the acclaimed. I mentioned the acclaimed is the thing. Tom Petty and the heartbreakers. Yeah. Like something like that. But go ahead. So you saw these guys. On I saw them on dark and we bring a lot of people in for dark. Will Hobbs is a great example of somebody that I also added to team Taz, which is another group that I like wanted to do. I, you know, made up and I think they're awesome. And, uh, I think Will Hobbs is a great addition. The whole use of Will Hobbs was, I was literally, it's the busiest I've ever been during a match, but I didn't have to do much. Darby put all of his ideas in, and I put well. I was like, I want you to do this enhancement kind of a thing on Dynamite, but not a full. Any Darby match I learned, he's going to be underneath for a lot of this match. Yeah, like he's so, smart. like you don't want to put Darby in there with like like Darby. You know what I mean? Like it just depends. So like, do you, I wanted a big dude. So Will Hobbs is like the perfect guy for this, and he'd been really impressive on Dark, and I wanted to give him a chance. So Will Hobbs, I wanted everything to go to plan. So it was I really like working with Darby and doing stuff with him. And you know he's he's a brilliant filmmaker and such a gifted person and so thoughtful. And I always say I have nothing in common with Darby, but like like all great wrestling characters, like if there's like creatively, if you have a connection with that person, like you can find the the common things and try to like make that so that every person in the world has that connection with that character and i think everybody in the world who watches wrestling is starting to build that connection with darby in my opinion and he's just mm -hmm. like one of the most important young stars in wrestling and you know he's a great example of uh what we're talking about i think another thing too is, is kind of what you're talking about is is this overall vision for the company and something else that you mentioned earlier we didn't uh, let hardly you know we didn't let anybody go but we hired so many people like the roster that you've hired in the last year has been incredible from your, you know, Ricky Starks and your Will Hobbs and, you know, uh, uh, Miro and Eddie Kingston and all like there's a Brian Cage, Brian Cage. I mean, I want to talk about Sting, Sting. Uh, but another thing, too, that I really want to express is if anybody watches Dark, the show, which always does a strong rating, strong yeah. number. People go sometimes it's two hours long, it's two hour, half hours long. I want to tell everyone listening right now the reason for that is, is I'm not just saying this, but Tony Khan is such a good hearted person that you want everybody backstage to have a match and you want everybody backstage to get a payoff. Like basically that's it. You We bring in people to give them tryouts, but we've getting a lot of independent wrestlers work in addition to the tryout people that we want to get a look at and put in specific matches. There's other people, you know, we're, we're putting, trying to put the top people from Dynamite and get over matches on Dark. Sure. And, like, you want to get some people, local people, and keep them working because there's no independent shows for the, all these people around Florida and Georgia like there used to be. Like, so dude, we, there's 12 matches or 15 matches on Dark. 
like you said, that's a lot of it because, yes, you want to have people take a look, but you're giving people work. Yeah. There, I mean, it, hopefully when the pandemic subsides, it'll be safe for everyone to run shows and, and get back to full attendance. But what we do is I, akin to a drive-in movie, like I say, because now we sell tickets and give the best live event experience in wrestling, I think, to the fans. When we have totally safe shows and, it, for, you know, to go sit in a pod with your family or friends and not have to worry about, like, people around you right now in the pandemic and it's outdoors where there's 99% less risk transmission. like So to me, it's like similar to the drive-in movie where you're in your little space outside and it's a safe way to watch the show. You know, We can't get back to what we all used to like doing, whether it's going to see the movies or going to sit in the packed arenas like we used to do, and that's the best. And I think when we get back to where they'll let us do that and everyone feels comfortable doing that because I think there are people that are ready now and I think there'll be more people that are ready soon and I just want to get to the point where everyone's in the same boat and everyone mm-hmm. feels the same way and everyone's comfortable being there you know but in the meantime indoors. you're giving all these people you know a chance yeah i feel good about what we're doing and and bringing all these people in you know that we have a lot of people at ringside that come in and then we have a lot of people that come in specifically to see what they can do and, and, and will hobbs is an interesting one like you know i was talking about it with darby and it was really important and ricky stark said this idea one night he said i want to come out dressed like darby sometime and i was like dude we'll do it and i was like i know what to do we have a great idea. So we do that. And it's Darby versus Will Hobbs. I wanted a four-minute match where Darby was in a lot of physical jeopardy and got beat up, but it had to be by a big physical guy. Darby works or Penico on one of these early pandemic darks where we were looking at, again, a guy we want. It was a local guy. who was Sir Penico, a guy who's another one that we could talk about. It was, it was great. Sure, of and course. came in this year. And so Sir Penico and Darby had this tremendous match. And it was like a great, like, for lack of a better term, I thought it was like a great like Nitro Lucha match. It was like awesome. And I loved it. And I was like, it just wasn't what exactly what you're looking for when Darby's going to get put the push he is. And uh, for it to be as competitive as it was, it wasn't exactly what I was expecting. But we had a million, you know, that point in the pandemic, hey, the content's pretty great too, right? Yeah. And uh, it's great to have stuff in the, in the library. And it's a great match that they had. But it made me start to realize that you probably want to have some monstrous opponents for as the as the guys for Darby. So that was uh, Will Hobbs. I thought would be perfect. I'd loved him on Dark, and so I literally made myself the agent on it. And Darby gave me everything. And there was a point where Ricky was in the paint and MJF was standing there. And have you seen the I Love Lucy where it's like Lucy and Ethel and the Chocolate Factory and she's doing everything at once? In Georgia, it wasn't that bad because I had to do all this stuff. But it was like everything was kind of at, it, we moved fast, so I was doing it all. In my, but we, but it was all just went smoothly, and I knew we'd do so much stuff in post production because we'd have a lot of time, and also we'd have to, you know, adjust for how the shows were coming out in Georgia. But at this point, so we're doing uh, Darby versus Will Hobbs, and it's the Saturday Night Dynamite where Brody beat Cody for the TNT title pretty quick, and they had that great, amazing brawl at the end, and the yeah. dark, dark Order was up strong, and we had. Darby versus Hobbs. So I've got the notes on what's going on. I literally, I'm the agent keeping the time and doing the announcers, and I'm doing all three. And I'm like, in between doing all three, I'm like talking, doing all three, talking, doing all three things. And then at one point, like I looked at Max and Ricky, and I'm like, this is really hard. And then I went back to what I was doing, and they both like laughed. Uh, but it was like, then the idea was like, Darby gets, you know, four minute competitive match where the other guy like beats him up a lot. And Will Hobbs would be perfect. And he hadn't worked on a lot. Hit a total home run. And it was a perfect thing to go from there and have him. I was like, he's a perfect guy to put in that story. And he was the guy who goes long but doesn't win in the casino battle royale that we then did it all out instead of 
double or nothing because we weren't able to do it at double or nothing. But once again, you got all these guys like I had never heard of Will Hobbs. I'd never heard of Eddie Kingston. I think Eddie had a bigger name than Will did. But like these guys are are are, are they're something. They're, they're, they're stars here. You know, they they got a lot of potential. well. There's a lot of people coming up with ideas to use different people. It wasn't I. You know, I just saw them and decided that they're people to you know give contracts to and right, right, right. use in ideas and people come up with a lot of ideas too on the outside and i just have to decide which ones to put where which weeks and if i want to use them or not there's a lot of good ideas you just can't do because the people they want to use aren't available in those weeks or you know because you're doing something else there's only so much time yeah and then people yeah so it's a mix of everything but it's it's just trying to put together and organize the best ideas as i see them for, for where we're at when we're there we have to talk about having fans back in daly's place uh, how great that was. Uh, we want to talk about Winter is Coming with the debut of Sting. And we'll do that. But first, I want to share another brilliant idea for anyone needing a little Valentine's Day help. Tommy John's Buttery Soft Loungewear. Get a pair for her and a pair for yourself. The loungewear is legit and you'll never want to take it off, which might not be a good thing for Valentine's Day. Hee-haw. All jokes aside, Tommy John's Buttery Soft Loungewear is the perfect gift for Valentine's Day with dozens of comfort innovations once you try Tommy John underwear, you'll never go back. That's why Tommy John doesn't have customers. They have fanatics. I'm definitely one of them. And men across America love Tommy John underwear because they keep everything in place. No more flopping around or sticking to yourself. And your special Valentine will love how good they make you look as well. Pick up a pair for yourself and give her some new Tommy John loungewear and pajamas. It's a win-win situation for both. Valentine's Day success guaranteed because 95% of women were happy to get Tommy John loungewear as a gift. And when you're wearing Tommy John, you're that much more comfortable so you can do everything better. I wear Tommy John. You should as well. And right now for a limited time, go to TommyJohn.com slash Jericho and get $20 off site-wide, including limited edition Valentine's gift sets. Go right now because last year they sold out in just five days. You don't want to miss out on this. TommyJohn.com slash Jericho. Get $20 off site-wide and free shipping. That's TommyJohn.com slash Jericho. TommyJohn.com slash Jericho. See site for details. Let's talk about we have uh, limited crowds, which is great. And um, Winter is Coming was a huge one for us. I think we had almost 1,000 people, like you said. Yeah, we, I think we had 1,100. 1,080 Which yeah. felt like Madison Square Garden. But the real moment, which was one of the biggest pops that I've seen in our company pre-pandemic or post was the, was the arrival of Sting. And that was just, I mean, you had mentioned it to me a few weeks prior, and that just came out of nowhere for me. I was like, really? Sting? So I don't know what you can and can't say, but how did you come up with this and kind of make all of this happen? Just uh, I had a prior relationship with Sting, and he didn't reach out to me until his agreement had expired. But uh, Of course, right. He, he, uh, you know, I knew him, and he has a great son, Stephen, you know, Stephen Jr., Stephen Borden, who was a great tight end at Kentucky, and is a really very nice young man. And he tried out for the Jags, and he'd had a knee injury. And also, I don't think they utilized him enough at Kentucky, frankly, because he was a good player and definitely somebody who deserved a look in the NFL. And we, tr- he had a great tryout with us, and I think if he'd come in healthy. You know, he could have had a good chance to be a good NFL player. And he's a really nice person, too. And I had talked to Steve back then, probably like five, over five, six years ago almost. And uh, so I've known him a long time. He's a great person. 
And when he became available, it made all the sense in the world. And I thought it would be a great to sign Steve to an agreement to come in. And, uh, you know, we talked and we're, now we're doing exactly what I wanted to do and uh, what he wanted to do. So I think it's worked out great. It's been great for us. And he's really happy, too. I can speak in for him coming in. He's been really optimistic and he's just having, I think, I really believe a good time. The promo that uh, Sting and Darby did this week. Hoodlums. They're hoodlums. A, Darby's a hoodlum and Sting's a hoodlum too. It's great That's stuff. That's great. We're not hoodlums. Well, Darby, yeah, he's a hoodlum. He came up with that, and it's just trying to ask him to be creative, giving him the situation, putting him in a situation, and asking him what would he say and do in this situation. And that was what Sting and Darby would do, and that was awesome, and that was them. Uh, just asking him to do that interview and putting it there and saying, this is you, this is your response to this but here, situation. But here's something, though, that, that – you don't get in WWE, and I'm not saying it in a bad way because it's just the way it is there. But the creative freedom, I think it's something that everybody who comes from there to here, and, and I'm, I, I had the New Japan buffer, which was kind of leading me to you're like, wow, this is actually. But if you look at Mox or Hager or Brody or Miro or Sting coming from that world, FTR, you're almost forced to think more for yourself and collaborate more with you. Uh, rather than having stuff given to you. And I think it, at first you're in a little bit of shock. Matt Hardy, like, I can really just come up with my own shit? Like, yeah, do it. Yeah. And I think Steve Sting is starting to feel that, like, wow, like, I can actually call him a hoodlum and smash a window and I don't have to ask permission because this is the right thing to do. And you're very open to ideas. There's a few ideas that you, you don't like, but most of the stuff that I've come up with, and a lot of it has been out there from – a dance scene, a song and dance to freaking Mimosa Mayhem, you go you go with it, which to me is a really big deal because a lot of guys in your position don't do that. What is it that ha that gives you such an open mind to allow everybody to be as creative as possible without really putting a lot of your own you know restrictions on it? I think it's important that like we all point in the same direction. We know where we're going with the stories. We know where we're going with the shows but that we all get together and feel good about it. Because the last thing I want is like a wrestling show where I'm putting words into your mouth and I'm telling you how to talk in a way that is not going to come off believably. And I've seen way too much of it on wrestling television. And so that's why I just get with you guys and try and point everyone in a positive direction. And we have great resources for people too. There's for a person like sting, who has an incredible wrestling mind, it's just important to turn that part of his brain back on that he hasn't right. been using in a while. And for him and Darby, who's already such a creative genius and creative filmmaker, putting them together, oh my goodness, the stuff is going to be idea. great. Thank you. And putting Darby up in the rafters and it's paid off and, and it's great. And they are doing great stuff together already. And turning these guys loose, I can't wait. And... Then there are people, again, like John Moxley, again, somebody who he hasn't been able to do these kind of promos, but my gosh, he's the best promo. I Unbelievable. Think, I mean, you, you know, you're one of the greatest promos no, in the no, world, no, he, and I think he's also one of the greatest he, promos he, in the world. He is so on fire. Everything he says is just great. You and John came here, and you hadn't probably had as much creative freedom in your promos, and you and John are two of the best promos in the world, and uh, both of you guys have been – you're doing the best promos, I think – in wrestling, Cody the same way. Cody had been a great promo and had not had the same freedom. And we have all these incredible resources backstage. We have, you know, you and, and John and, and Kenny Omega, the world champion, and, and you know, these guys, the executive vice presidents, to have uh, you and, and, you know, backstage with those guys, uh, great resources. And 
Kenny, the world champion, uh, has been an incredible mind and had great ideas for people and great ideas for himself. And it's, you know, been a pleasure working with him. And to be honest, not, you know, to, to tell to tell the truth, he's a, a genius and he comes up with a lot of things that are really brilliant. And uh, he looks at wrestling differently than anybody I've ever mm-hmm. met. And uh, then, you know, Cody and the Young Bucks and these guys have great ideas for people to bring in. And uh, whether it was that list of guys and Ricky Starks and Eddie Kingston, those are great ideas. And Cody's had tons of great ideas for people. To using the Young Bucks, have tons of great ideas. I mentioned Private Party and Top Flight using Orange Cassidy before I had ever really gotten to know him. It was, they talked about it, and I sat down, and he was so right. And I'm so glad they talked about that yeah. because I haven't talked much about him, but uh, he's one of you know my favorite wrestlers and a, an amazing person and uh, has really uh, been a breakout star here and so important. And you've been such a huge part of that breakout and what, you, what you've done to make it possible that you saw that we, something had caught fire here and that you – helped spread that fire like poured gasoline on it and <laughs> threw yourself into the gasoline or in this case the orange juice uh and it was god bless you and you've had so many great ideas uh going back to the first pay-per-view when you really we had this, this thing with you and mox and kenny and mm. you were out there and changed the order you know and, and uh it was such a great thing because you came up with this thing and everyone wanted to run it by me and everyone was afraid that I was not going to want to do your idea because it was such a good idea. And I was like, what? Well, I love that idea. We're going to definitely, right? everyone was, but everyone is afraid. The That's placement the kind of, of the mocks. But no, but in, I yeah. love good ideas if they work and if I can make them work. Like I, if somebody comes to me with an idea, just because I have another idea doesn't mean I'm going to ch- not change my mind. What's best for the show. Yeah, the what's, I'll do what's best for the show if there's a reasonable way to make the change and I can get on board with it. In this case, that was a great change and I loved it and I'm going to do it. And I believe in great ideas in the moment if – I can make them work. I just want to talk them through. And that was, you guys all wanted to talk. You guys had a great idea and you changed you, your idea to move the order of stuff. It was perfect. And it got, and it's a mortal wrestling moment now. And, uh, you know, you and, uh, John and Kenny have all had great matches with each other. And, uh, it's so important to us. And I could do entire podcasts about all three of you. And, you know, what I was saying, I mean, those guys, you and, you know, the EVPs and, and John and so many people, are so important to the development of the company and the the uh, those guys, like I said, the executive vice presidents, they've had great ideas on people to bring in. They've had great ideas on stories. And, you know, through the pandemic, we've all stayed in touch so much, you, me, everyone, and coming up with ideas. I just can't say enough about all the people that work here. And, you know, it's been voluntary this entire time. And I think, you know, hopefully now we've been testing now since early May, and this pandemic's been going on not quite a year, but, you know, we've known about it at least. And, and everyone's been acting accordingly for almost a year now. And I think hopefully consumer behavior will start to get back to normal. So I got some more questions about booking and your creative process, Tony. But before we continue on, I've got a recommendation to share with all of the sexy beast talk is Jericho listeners. After you finish listening to this conversation with TK you need to go check out Good Company with Scott Bowling. It's a great show on YouTube, all about music. I've been on it a few times. Scott Bowling interviews rock musicians and talks to them about their music, careers, creative processes, playing live, and all the new stuff they're working on. A very in-depth and always interesting conversation. Scott's the guy who won the chance to interview me for an episode of Talk is Jericho a few years ago. A lot of you heard that one. He talked to me about Fozzie, and that's really what his Good Company show is like as well. He gets great guests like Clint Lowry from Seven Dust, Alicia Dove from the Cherry Bombs, Hell Yeah's Kyle Sanders, Eddie Trunk, Stripers Michael Sweet, 
and my partner in crime, Rich Ward from Fozzie. He's been on Good Company as well many times. I know how much you guys dig music, especially rock and roll. That's why we have so much of it here on Talk is Jericho. So I want you to go give Good Company a try. You can find it on YouTube. Just search Good Company with Bowling. Also available on Facebook. Just search Good Company with Bowling or go directly to the website at scottgoodcompany.com. It's a great music show. It's filmed and edited by Nathan Mowry, my partner in crime on uh, the Judas video, Burn Me Out, Nowhere to Run, Painless. He also did I'm Too Old for This Shit, the new documentary that's out right now. And Nathan's crew at Kind Punk is also killer. Add it to your playlist. Good company with bowling. Find it on YouTube after you finish Talk is Jericho and learn a little bit about some rock and roll. Let me ask you a question. When you're talking about book booking and having all these ideas, do you have kind of a like a like a, a book that you keep all your ideas in, or is it? I know you're very you remember every detail. Is it in your head? It's you mostly it in, in my phone? head, but I write stuff down in the book of the moment. Yeah, mm. you know, books come and go, but uh, yeah, I try to keep stuff down, but I don't live in one book here and there. Because it's hard though when you have a, a show every single week with all of these people giving ideas, and you've got your own ideas to kind of keep it all in order I keep and filter it as it. organized yeah. as possible i really do and i know it's not always perfect but i try to and keep make things make sense and uh work up with a lot of different people on stories and develop a lot of people that we haven't even spent the, the proper time talking about here but just there's so many great people in this company i wish i could talk about everybody and what everyone does but it's funny uh you know uh we've talked about so many of the great things that have come together in 2020 and like i said for us to be where we're at with the ratings in a strong position and with our pay-per-views being strong i just think coming back with fans will be really really key but i can't say enough about the crowd we've had in jackson yeah the people that come to the shows and we're expecting great crowds for these upcoming shows they've been so great and i think we're building awareness too like we built bigger crowds and we opened up the top it's amazing yeah that we have that many people in the same city for eight, nine months now that, that, that shows the quality of the product and how fun, how much fun people are having. Yeah. I mean, we started selling tickets in the summer and, you know, ahead of the Jaguars and the Jaguars and other NFL teams, I think have shown that it's possible to do events like spread people out safely and at a distance and not, you know, in these indoor settings. Cause I think people feel more comfortable outdoors. And again, I, I attribute it to like a drive-in movie, taking inspiration from that and spreading people out and giving people a safe experience. We were the first ones on Ticketmaster to notice that the ticket resellers on the secondary market were buying up the tickets. and Meaning if you sell a pot of four, that then someone was taking them and then reselling them on the market to where it might be two and two or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what, exactly what I was going to say. And so they uh, were buying up the tickets and splitting them like exactly like you just said, which is not cool because like the pods for a group of a family to get together and no team or sport had really dealt with that here. And we were the you know first ones to go with Ticketmaster and say like we can't be selling a pod and then having it split up on the secondary market. Like we can't honor them mm -hmm. um, if you know. And that's been important. And I think uh, not having you know strangers sitting next to each other to keep people social groups. And I just want everybody to get back to being where all the fans are comfortable with the situation that are coming and. I want everyone to have a good time, and that's why we've done it how we have with groups spaced out. And, you know, if people are eating or drinking and not wearing the mask, that's probably more permissible, and they've been cool about that. But having people come by, if people aren't, you know, in, eating something or, or drinking their water or beer, 
coming by to tell them to put the mask back on. I think it's tried to make everybody feel safe. Yeah. Not, you know, because I, I would just want to get to the point where everyone at the event feels safe at the same time. And Are you keeping an eye on uh, like other sports leagues to kind of mirror? What I think everybody, doing? all those big sports leagues are keeping an eye on each other. And luckily yeah. we're located li- literally adjacent to. I mean, a, thank goodness. eh? thank goodness we're in Jacksonville. <laughs> it's cool. I mean, we have yeah. a great facility and great fans and I hope, we can continue doing great shows for them here for a long time. And I really love Daly's place. I'm glad that it worked out. It was a funny thing the way it started. Uh, I had a vision of doing the South park, uh, set up of having the ring down and in the pit like they did. And then having the kind of amphitheater set up for the WTF, which, uh, was a great episode of South park. Uh, and not the only idea I've ever taken from South park, by the way, I took another idea from South park recently, uh, which was the Cinderella song for Kenny and Hangman. Right. Which was uh, great. And Kenny loved the idea when I told him. And Hangman Hangman did not. He hated it. And he said that when he watched it, he had a great quote because he did love it when he saw the video that Jess put together. Jess is tremendous. He said, uh, I wanted to hate it, but I loved it. And I thought that was a great quote. I wanted to hate it, but I loved it. And I this was, like, was you don't know what what it's got. You don't know what you've got till it's gone. Cinderella. Yep. The yeah. song don't know what you got till it's gone. I wanted to do that video just ex- for the Kenny and Hangman when we got in the back end of the Eliminator tournament that Kenny had such great ideas for when we put it together. And, uh, you know, I wanted to, you know, we, we, I loved it and I wanted to do all of it pretty much. We Kenny's, uh, you know, really been on fire with a lot of cool ideas that I've wanted to get uh on the same page with him on this this year and uh i think he's got uh, a brilliant mind and you know you know for better than anybody from working with him and he's such big man well, even the addition of, of bringing in don Callis is kind of his spokesman you know his 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 manager shall we say i mean that's added a lot of we talked about that in 2019 well. the first time he and i talked about it really? i love the idea wow i love the idea and we talked to, and i so i've talked to kenny for a long time about that uh so the, the Cinderella video, though, was another idea I got from South Park. But the Jacksonville, uh, the uh, amphitheater was based on a South Park episode as well. And it's, well, it's, it's the Corican Hall setup. And if you've ever been to Corican, no. it's exactly like that. There's a there's a little row of people like where the stage is, but maybe thirty. You're playing to the to the bleachers. Yeah, you know, it's exactly what it is. It's been a great home to us. And I was there last night and to walk through it and to see all the infrastructure we have there and what we have, like we're pretty blessed. And when you look at everything that's there, even now, like yeah. not when we're not taping. And so I, I, it's a home to us and it's been a great for us. So, and the Jacksonville crowd has been great to us too. And there's been so many great moments like at full gear when the young bucks won the tag team championship and when Darby won the TNT championship and when sting debuted and all these great moments where we've had these great crowds and the Brody tribute show above first and foremost and the crowd was amazing and the Brody chants and the support they showed for that family and and, uh, what they did for Amanda and little Brody and Nolan and Nolan is important for him too to to have that show to be able to watch forever and that that's why I wanted to make sure I had the rights to the song for them in perpetuity to make sure we Tom always, Waits old 55 old 55 yeah. which I, I never even listened to Tom Waits music and it's just a coincidence uh, that I was like listening to music and I found Tom Waits and I was listening to other songs I didn't know he sang Downtown Train by Rod Stewart yeah that's his original too I didn't know that and then I started listening to that and then I was like what else did Tom Waits sing and then I heard that song and I was bro new Brody's in the hospital and I knew it wasn't looking good and I thought that was it and then I went to try to get the rights for it and we got it and, I, and they, it was 
the question. It was going to cost a lot more money to get it forever, but I wanted to get it forever because I never wanted to have this deleted so that we have it forever so that people will see it in forever and it'll last forever. You can show that video forever now because you own it. It's, It's so funny how... I mean, AEW has been very smart at picking kind of actual songs like Cinderella. Don't know what it's got to this. I pick both those songs just based on like stuff I but love. I, but I mean, would you throw in Judas? You throw in Tarzan Boy now. Uh, that was another one. That's that, going to be huge when fans come back. I, that was not my idea. That was I think it was on the Indies. I think it was Joey's idea that, that Jack was using that song in the Indies, and I, <laughs> I, you know, Jack didn't even know he got a stab. What the song it. is? Yeah, no, it's he older no, than he is. <laughs> you know, actually, the, uh, Tarzan Boy used it in Mexico. Oh, the guy to the wrestler Tarzan? Yeah, in the GDI. They were great with Ultimo Guerrero and Ray Bucanero and mm. Tarzan Boy. Yeah, I think he was, uh, what was he, Armando? He was in the WWE. He was in Super Astros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't remember. Super Astros. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, that's a great show. Um, and so um, he, uh, anyway, but those the, a lot of the songs, different people have different ideas. And I just, like, you know, if, it if works. you can do it, the, that was, a, but that we didn't. Uh, have at first and then after he was pretty established I thought it would be great you know and I, around Christmas I thought it'd be cool to surprise Jack I was like hey guess what buddy and uh, there's a lot more cool stuff with music I'd like to do I have some cool other stuff I want to do and Judas you uh, I have contributed an amazing song with Judas I love it, it just become that was the first kind of breakout song that we had where people started singing it on their own and you know it, it's it's expected now, but when they first started doing it, actually on the cruise, it was the like, cruise. oh my gosh, this is just amazing. And what we had Revolution, the entrance, uh, oh the orchestra, yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, the choir, Judas. You know, last couple things. Uh, has there been anything as a booker that you look back on and wish that you hadn't done? Yeah, but. Yeah. Uh, I know you didn't like the Matt Hardy teleportation thing. That was your idea. That was my idea. One of <laughs> well, the few that, was, that you didn't like. <laughs> that's okay. There's stuff like that. I mean, that's those are the things I've tried to do a lot less of this year, honestly. Yeah. That's a good example. There's just stuff like that where, like, somebody had something and I, you knew I was skeptical of it going in. And I talked myself into it. And I wouldn't have done it going after. And it's not against you or the idea. I just, the way it was executed and the way we were talking about it, I had a feeling it wasn't going to work. And that's a perfect example of the things I didn't do very many of them this year. We had made mistakes this year, but I tried to cut down on that this year. And that's, that's a perfect example of something where like, I wish we hadn't done it, but like it was my fault. Like I should have, if I really believe that that's strong, I should have just stood up and said it. And your idea was a good idea, but the way we executed it on short notice, it didn't really look right. And it was just, but Keith and Tim and those guys did the best they could too. It was tough. And we were in a shorthand in the pandemic and we were just trying to do cool stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody was just happy to have wrestling stuff. We don't really do stuff like that on the show. So that's like a good, and that's one thing I love too about our company is that it's something when I first came in was like, Oh, come on. No ref bumps, no DQs, and now it's like I think a couple of weeks ago a ref bump was was pitched, and I was like, absolutely. not. You said, "How did that get by you?" Yeah, and I was like, "No, I was okay with it." Because you didn't it use like, it anyways. We was we know what it was good. It yeah. was good. It was uh, that it was I loved it because you asked me like you're like how did, why did you allow this one? You never allow them, and it's like the rule. And I was like, I like that one. It was like uh, it was the acclaimed. The very young bucks and the acclaim, right? But they're very few and far between. It was a main event. It was a title match. It was like it was a good special. It was a, there's and sure there's lots of title matches. There's lots of main events, but we rarely ever 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 do. But it. that's I like that though. I like that we don't rely on it because it becomes a crutch where you just go ah it's a DQ. It's a rule. I mean you could count on one hand. Not, no, yeah. I don't ref bumps DQs. I just going in. I think these things uh, count outs. I don't. 
do you know i always thought of, it was good to do one and then you know it's established yeah, it was, the one dq for the iron man yeah i think I in was, dark every once in a while there's a count out or a dq but for the most part we really don't haven't had a lot draws i think it's important to establish yeah. we had a very important one early on set the tone with pack and moxley that's right like it happens cody and darby uh you can always uh, cody and uh give and cody a ton of credit for that yeah. you give the young bucks ton of credit for people they've identified like it was matt and nick's idea like i was saying to put orange cassidy with the best friends matt had called me about it and cody absolutely did not want to beat darby uh absolutely did not want to beat him and uh so uh god bless him for that it was a great call and uh but I like you know, that. It's a time limit. It's like a tie game. You talk about Fulham, 0-0. Zero, zero. Like, sometimes it goes to a tie. That's cool. Yeah, those you guys know? did a great job on that. I think. Uh, uh, that, that was a great match. And uh, that really helped establish Fighter Fest as a big deal. We have, we've, we've just had such a great couple of years, man. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, when we first did this, we hadn't done a single match yet. And now we've done over 1,000 matches as a company. I think our match was number 1,000 last week, someone told me. Wow. I think it was the inner circle three-way tag was 1,000 well, There's a few match. that haven't made the cut. There's a few that on the unreleased DVD, that, <laughs> there's some stuff that never, there's some dark matches that never made there's the cut. a couple cut. in Atlanta. Me and Orange Cassidy got in an argument in Atlanta at the, 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 the commentary desk. We never used that, remember? Well, we ended up doing it later. We did, we did. But I'm saying from that Atlanta yeah, we session. We change, yeah. Or we can't let Tony go without asking about his favorite AEW storylines of uh, last year, especially ones that he booked himself. So while he's thinking about his favorite storylines and matches, we'll talk about something else that Tony can definitely relate to as a business owner, and that's finding great hires. All business owners will agree when it comes to hiring, every single hire needs to fit just right. I think Tony would agree that AEW's team is lean and mean, but one wrong move could easily destroy what he's built, what we've all built. And that can happen to any small business. And that's why I'm telling you about Indeed. Indeed.com is the hiring site that helps you find quality candidates with Indeed Instant Match. Indeed searches through the millions of resumes in their database to help show you great candidates instantly so you can do the part you really need faster, which is meeting and hiring great people. Unlike some hiring sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility, delivering a quality shortlist faster. And with Indeed, there are no long-term contracts. You can pause your account at any time, and you only pay for what you need. And with Instant Match, you see a great list of candidates with zero weight. And Indeed delivers four times more hires than all of the job sites combined, according to Talent Nest. If you want your quality shortlist fast, you need Indeed. And right now, you get a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash Jericho. This is Indeed's best offer available anywhere. Get a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash Jericho. That's Indeed.com slash Jericho. The offer is valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. And before we get back to Tony Cod, don't forget to check out I'm Too Old for This Shit, uh, Heavy Metal Fairy Tale, the heartwarming, inspirational documentary about metal band Siren who disbanded for 30 years. Uh, and got an offer to reform to play a festival in Germany where they found out that they had a huge fan base that they never knew anything about. They hadn't played in years, they hadn't been a band in years, and yet they have this giant fan base in Germany that they had no idea existed. I sent a camera crew, Nathan Maury and his boys, along with the band Siren, and we got something that was way more than I expected because I thought it was either going to be a total disaster, a total shit show, or one of the most heartwarming, inspirational stories that shows that your dreams can come true no matter how old you are. Go check out 
I'm too old for this shit. It's available on iTunes and Amazon now. It's available on Blu-ray. You can get it anywhere. So go check that out. All right. I guess last last question for you. What is kind of your your favorite storyline that you've booked uh, over the last year? Is there one that stands out for you that maybe you've already talked about it, or is there a few that you think like, wow, that really worked out well? There's a great story. I know. Okay, so I wanted. Uh, let me come back to ones that like from start okay. to finish because there's like stuff that start to finish. But uh, as far as one that that I think is pretty cool. The whole thing with you and Mox in the inner circle, the three of us were in the hotel bar oh, yeah. and I had a bottle and I was like, w- then I thought about like if I smashed the bottle and have, you know how the bottle has like a jagged edge? It's not how it ended up coming off and it wasn't, the, the final idea was total diff- totally different, but the whole thing got, so I was like, wouldn't it be cool if like Mox like smashed this bottle on your head in a segment and then took the remaining like right. shard, the handle part with the shard jagged edges and held off the rest of the inner circle to kind of get away, and we went off like that. That'd be kind of badass. And it wasn't that that was the end idea. Was just you end up smashing the bottle on your head because you do, know, the edge would be the way. The way be, she just have to get out of there. You but, can't do it with the. Type, I mean, unless yeah. you want to break a real bottle over my head, which and <laughs> what he would have had left would have been nothing. He would have had like the nothing left. It would have yeah, been. It yeah, would have yeah. been safe. Yeah. So there was no way to safely do that. But like. Uh, but short of that, we ended up doing something really special in the eye patch thing. You guys, that was a great that, story. That was great, and I I love the eye for an eye thing, and mm. uh, that was fun. But the, you know that we had a great time with that. And but I bring it up just because that was a fun time. There's a lot of fun things like that. As far as my favorite thing, like that's a start to finish thing that I did a lot of stuff on. I mean, I brought it up before, but like definitely the whole Darby against Team Taz and what it became, and then bringing in Sting. It's still going. It. It's still going, and it's been going a long time. And I think. There's been a lot of cool moments and like, you know, Ricky coming in, like I said, didn't have him as the name, but like knew it was going to be needed, uh, needed to add somebody with Brian. And that was clearly the guy. And then Will along the way, it was like, again, it was clearly the guy and the Taz and, and of course knew that Tyler Hook uh, would be big for us sometime too. And he's, he's a great kid too. And Taz would add so much to it with his expertise and being a, a great coach and, and he's a great commentator for us, but he, he adds so much to them and the presentation of it. And Ricky, is, you know, has added a lot too. Brian was a guy we signed off the bat and, and he was injured when we first signed him and I was ready to bring him in. Right. Had, had this idea saved up for Darby. But then with Sting being available, plugging him into it, I wanted to do something big, build up to a big Darby versus Ricky match and save Darby versus Brian so we'd get two huge ratings along the way, build them both up for months and months. And... uh we ended up doing huge ratings for both. I mean, Dar- we did a, over a million for Darby and Ricky, and Ricky had never won a match on That's Dynamite. That's crazy, yeah. Ricky had never <laughs> even won a match on Dynamite, and they did over a million. Uh, and uh, Ricky, I really believe in, and uh, have had great moments, uh, you know, that, that have come in, and he's had great ideas too. And um, just try to, you know, like you said about putting people together, I think that that is a cool thing about this year is you put a lot of new groups together, and I'm sure we have so many great people. There's stuff I'm not thinking of uh joey and sunny was a necessity of the pandemic coming mm. together but uh there's there's, there's... No, but the, but a, a, the thing i like about our show is everybody everybody's on our show to be a star there's nobody here just to be here like you're you're gonna get a chance to to, to do something of note and that's up to you how how, how my, you my, my favorite one by far that i've ever done start to finish is the entire pack versus orange cassidy thing because pack it was versus orange cassidy. super because it was I, there was no time to build it because you had to do kenny versus pack iron man and i didn't want to step on it one bit and the perfect way to do it 
was to let Kenny and Hangman have their story, but let Pac be in the background of Kenny and Hangman and the Young Bucks. Ended up being one of the greatest pay-per-views ever because what it did was you had Kenny and Hangman had their story. There was enough TV time for Kenny to also have a story with Pac that was going to build for them to do the Iron Man match right before the pay-per-view. Kenny, within like four days, did two of the greatest matches I've ever seen where he did the Iron Man match with Pac on on television and went like almost 35 minutes because they did overtime. And then did the tag match. That's one of the best tag matches ever. Maybe Kenny you know, and Hangman versus the Bucks. Yeah, a revolution because we did the Kansas City show and the Chicago show. And so my thing was we'd subtly do it where there was like Pack versus Trent, and there was a six man with Pack and TH2 before the Lucha Brothers. Before there was a Death Triangle, there's Pack and TH2 versus Orange Cassidy and the Best Friends. And so I really wanted to have the footage in the background and Pac was still in this thing with Kenny, but in the background, there would be enough there when we needed to flip it real quick to go to Pac Orange Cassidy right after the Ironman match. I had gone up, I was upstairs and catering in Kansas City. If you remember, it was upstairs, the catering mm-hmm. it was, up, yep. you had to go up the that. elevator to go up. Yep. And uh, I was with Shivani and the best friends in Orange Cassidy. And I said, I want you to say, you know, because at first I told Pac, like, you got to hit the... I never give, like, scripted stuff, but occasionally there's something you have to hit for mm-hmm. continuity. And I was like, I just want to say, make sure you say, what, is this a joke when Orange Cassidy comes out? Cause is this a do- joke? Yeah. Is this a joke? Like, when Orange Cassidy walked out, because he was so angry after Kenny beat him. So it was the idea was, like, it was like uh, Larry Merchant after the big fight, like, pissing the fighter off when Shivani comes to see Pac. And then just when he's, like, very furious because he just got, you know, in his opinion, gypped in this overtime with Kenny, they've... You know, so they all of a sudden, they, you know, it's there's overtime in this match, and I, you know, Kenny wins from and Packet tried something dastardly. If you remember, that was mm-hmm. speaking of your DQ because that's the only DQ we right, had on right, Dynamite. Right, where, right. But it was, but there was a reason for it, right? Because he, because mm-hmm. it made total sense. It was a great idea, and um, so then getting into that uh, with those guys, and it's not like the best storyline, but it was like it ended up being something very cool because like it had led to a great match beginning and, middle and end. then it was the great way to establish the orange Cassidy character. And like, even in a, put him in a big match where like there's, he was even in defeat. We built a great, you have star. to take him seriously. We built yeah. it. Somebody you had to take this. Exactly. Thank you, man. That's what, that's why you, you do what you do because you're the best host here and you articulate things also better than anybody uh, and that's why you've had such a great career and why other than, in addition to being such a great athlete and an iron man who's uh wrestled for 30 years uninterrupted <laughs> with no major injuries and and so many uh lengthy periods of heavy activity uh you also put things perfectly and that you're absolutely right man that you couldn't have said that better well, dude, it's been a great uh, two years, and I think it's only going to get better because uh, we had a hell of a year in the face of adversity and uh, led by uh, by Tony Khan and, you, and your booking. And like I said, the fact that you let us give our ideas, which just probably makes your job that much easier as well. So it's been a great year, man. It's been a great year, man. I really appreciate it. We've had a, a you know, it's been a rough year for a lot of people, but here we haven't done big layoffs and have tried to keep the staff together as much as possible and take care of everybody. And it's been a tough time. And, uh, you know, we've talked a, a good a bit about Brody and how important he was to all of us, but that's been the hardest, worst thing of the year. And I think a lot of people in America have lost loved ones and a lot of people have lost loved ones for a lot of reasons, not, not just COVID and a lot of, and, and there's been a lot more people that have gotten lost this year due to COVID, and that sucks. And there's 
also a lot of people not due to COVID and Brody was one of those people. And that was a real tragedy and, um, losing him, you know, I don't think any of us have gotten over it. We'll get over it. But, uh, that was probably the thing that, you know, ended the year on a very difficult note. Um, but when you talk about another thing that I'm really proud of and booking, that's probably the thing I'm proudest of. And it's not a storyline. Brody tribute. Yeah. yeah. Cause like, I mean, I still probably haven't caught up on sleep from then to be honest. Cause I, I didn't sleep for days and like around then and I knew it was a matter of probably they were going to take them off life support. And unless it was like the miracle of all miracles that that somehow like shocked the system, it was pretty much going to be a matter of time. Amanda had said, and, um, so, I knew we needed to do something different in New Year's Smash. I was probably going to like push back, but I didn't know what to do, how to do it. And it was, I'd been up all night after Christmas. I didn't sleep well Christmas night. And then the night after Christmas was the night Brody passed. And it was right after, the, it was like within an hour or hour and a half of when they took him off life support. It happened very quickly. And so, because I knew they were going to take him off life support the next day. And the show is like the last thing you want to think about or thinking about. But of course, they're not doing a funeral, I find out. Like, because Amanda comes to the game. We have a Jags game the next day, and there's so much other, so much going on. And, uh, you know, Amanda is, is coming to the game with Lil Brody, at, and they're going to be there. And I went and saw them after this game and spent a lot of time with them through the day. And, went back and I still hadn't slept in days really. And I went back and I had to lay down for a little bit. And when I woke up, I had a missed call from Dave Meltzer from my little pass out, just necessity nap. And I called him back and he asked like, what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know. And he actually did say to me, he's like, I think you should go out. And I said, like, I think it would be the right thing to do for everyone to pay their respects and you know do a 10 bell and i'll definitely go out for that and we'll see what i do but i honestly don't know what i'll do and then i sat down and put the pencil to paper and wrote the show as i saw it which was the uh dark order coming out and the story of the night is the dark order are the baby faces here but making the context very clear by pairing them in a series of tag matches through the night I, they're all the male matches were all six-man tags, and then Anna and Ty, Ty, Ty Conti do a tag match. And Anna and Ty are a great team, and they already had that story that was perfect for them mm -hmm. to tie together. But putting them in, everyone with the top heels, and I didn't have that right away. Just like some ideas come in, first part comes in, then you get the second part. At first, honestly, I was thinking of doing something more like what we did for the birthday celebration, where you put TH2 and Chaos Project, who are great wrestlers and great people to be on Dynamite, but they're not necessarily the main event of pay-per-view right, pay main event wrestlers. Then I came to me, I was like, no, it has to be the pay-per-view main event wrestlers. has to be. It has to be, you know... A fitting M tribute. MJF and Santana Ortiz to go in there yeah. with Hangman and Silver and Reynolds in what is, I think, one of the one of the greatest matches we've ever had on Dynamite and uh, what a special thing we did and what Lil Brody's involvement, like I said, what a little pro he is and how great he did in the spot and I'll, to be honest, uh, he was a little, at first, I wasn't sure if it was going to, and then he went out like such a pro and did so great. And that's, he earned my confidence mm -hmm. on live television and I'm really proud of him and he's great. And, uh, what everyone did was so great in that match, but the all night was like that. And it not just a single that match out because across the night, the performances were there. I mean, they did one of the great things about that match was when 
Eric Rowan got involved, and that was Sean Spears asked about using him, and I was like, what a great idea, and I knew where to plug him it in. It was a great idea. I wanted to use him in the match in the middle because I knew what we were doing at the end was, you know, I had the old 55, and uh, and and would go out with Amanda and Brody for that with Cody and Vance, and of course then, uh, you know, Team Taz to be out there, and, and Britt and Penelope use just top heels across the whole night. And every match was was fantastic, and everyone came together. But really, the most important thing was there was not going to be a funeral. And Amanda told me that, and uh, there's a lot. That's a lot of pressure because that was his memorial. What we yeah. did, we memorialized him. And like I said, that was I didn't know at the time it would be what it was, but I knew we had to get the right Soul Fifty Five forever when I first heard it. And uh, when we first got the the number back, it was I knew whatever we had to pay, it was worth it. So that's probably the thing I'm the proudest of, even though it's not like a long-term story or anything. I mean, it has changed the Dark Order on terms of the show, but it was no, really about a, much more yeah, than a wrestling match. That's right. That goes beyond. That goes beyond. And what we do with little Brody on the, these angles and the time we spend with him, like, dude, what does it say about, in this situation, we, he's always got a smile on his face because he's, he's in a tough position and the toughest position, right? I mean, you can't, I mean, I don't, I can't put myself in his shoes. I don't know what he's feeling, but I know that we can make him feel welcome and, and being around these wrestlers that he loves and he's yeah. got a wrestling mind. It, the smile on his face at times, like, like New Year's, man. Yeah. Like, like New Year's, <laughs> that great time when he's pinning these guys left and right and he's beating up Orange Cassidy and Marco Stunt and all these stars at our party uh, and all these times he's having. It's really special. And, uh, but that, that's the thing. That's a, probably the thing I'm proud of. But that, pu- that puts a smile on people's faces watching at home, you know, and I think that's something that we've done a great job. But it's most important to put the smile on his face. I agree. And but, but the that translates. stuff we do on Dark, I'm glad people enjoy it. But it's not about that. Like, I wouldn't have him do anything. Look, I don't want him to embarrass himself, right? But right. he's never he's not going to do that. Most of his ideas are very good. Smart, yeah. He's a smart kid. And uh, I think people should know that. That's why on commentary, he does a good job, too, now. He's really <laughs> – and uh, so that show and the idea of the Dark Order teaming with all the baby faces across the night to show the clear context of, like, you know – who they are now and what Brody meant to us and giving him a proper tribute and putting in the tribute videos, but doing more than that, giving the night a context and a con- a continuous story. And it, I've never seen a memorial show quite like that, where there was like a story arc to it and it memorialized the person and their place in the company. And I say it because it's exactly what he would have wanted. And I know him really well. And I know he would have been really proud of what we put together for him. And I know we would have wanted it. And he was up there digging it the most. So uh, I think that's what's really cool. And I said that if we made it the greatest show ever, then we make his name live on forever in another way, beyond just the legacy he left as a wrestler and a father. Like this show, too, could be like the Brody Lee tribute show is the best show. It's the template, yeah. And now I think we've done a great show, and some people think, I've heard people say it was the best show, our best show, or the best show they've seen. I've seen a lot of people say it was our best show, and I've even heard some people say it was the best show they've seen. So. Another great show, like you said, to cap off uh, a year that was hard in a lot of ways. But I think at the bottom line is that we've done a great job of making people happy uh, in spite of it. And a lot of that is because of uh, you, Tony Khan. Uh, and honestly, thanks to you and everybody around, Chris. Thanks for having me on. It's great to see you. And uh, anytime I get to spend time with you, is special. And uh, I can't believe it's been two years since the last time we did this. But uh, Hopefully, it won't be two years till I come on uh, We'll do six months from now. We'll do it again. Thanks for having me on your show, man. (laughs) Thanks, man.